If you have your Bibles, uh, please take them and turn to Genesis chapter 2 this morning. And I want to encourage you to be sure to bring your Bibles with you and uh, be prepared. If you didn't bring one today, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. And you could be finding the second chapter of Genesis. Just open the, the book up and find the very first book of the Bible. Genesis will begin in chapter 2. And while you're doing that, I want to share with you a help wanted ad. And I want you to listen and see if you're interested, okay? Long-term player needed for challenging permanent work in a chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills and be willing to work evenings and weekends and frequent 24-hour shifts. Some overnight travel is required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and endless sports tournaments in faraway cities. Travel expenses are not reimbursed. You must keep this job for the rest of your life and be willing to be hated, at least temporarily. You must be willing to bite your tongue repeatedly and possess the physical stamina of a packed mule. You must be willing to tackle stimulating technical challenges as of gadget repair, sluggish toilets, and stuck zippers. You must handle assembling and product safety testing, as well as floor maintenance and janitorial work. You must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate the production of multiple homework projects. You must have the ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and levels of maturity. You must be willing to be indispensable one minute and an embarrassment the next. You must assume final and complete accountability for the quality of the end product. There is no possibility for advancement. Your job is to remain in the same position for years without complaining so that those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. No previous experience required, but on the job training is offered on a continually exhausting basis. Although you will receive no financial compensation, you must pay those in your charge offering frequent wages and bonuses. A balloon payment is due when they turn 18 and attend college. And when you die, you give them whatever income you have left. Now, anybody want to hazard a guess at what position we're talking about this morning? Parenting. Yeah, being a parent. And many of us today are in that position already. And I want to spend some time encouraging us and helping us, especially those of us who still have children at home. And I'm calling this morning's message biblical help for the young family. Now, let me say right at the beginning today, I'm somewhat hesitant always to preach on parenting. Why? Because I still have children at home. One's four, one's two. And I want you to understand right away that we have not arrived when it comes to parenting. In fact, we knew more about being a great parent before we were parents than actually now that we are parents. Can you relate to that? So what I want to do today, beloved, is take you to the word of God and see what God has to say about parenting. And of course, this message will not be exhaustive. I mean, we can only say so much in the short time we have together. And the Bible is, is just full of things concerning us as parents. But in a real way, what I'm sharing with you today is what we're trying to accomplish as parents. For as Chip Ingram writes in that book I mentioned to you earlier, we're giving the parents today effective parenting in an effective world. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. You can't really get on the road to effective parenting until you have some idea of where the road is going, of what kind of kids you want to end up with. He says fear based or go with the flow of parenting can be disastrous. Why? The flow often goes in the wrong direction. 
positive, clear-cut objectives will guide your decision-making on the many occasions when decisions seem difficult to make. What are you trying to accomplish? Listen, what are you trying to accomplish with your children? And do you have a clear target? Think about those two last questions there. What are you trying to accomplish with your children? And do you have a clear target? In other words, what are you aiming at? Now, many of us, if we were honest today, we'd say we're aiming at survival. We're aiming at making it. We're aiming at getting through another day and another week and another month and getting them grown and on their way. But let's be honest for a moment. When they are grown and when they head out on their own, what is it about your kids that will make you step back and say one to another, we hit the mark? We got them exactly where we wanted to get them. They're exactly the way we wanted them to desire, at least close to that. Ingram continues, your children may go to Harvard or they may go, they may not go to any college at all. They may have a lot of letters after their name or none at all. They may be really good at sports or ballet because that's exactly what God has designed them to do. Or God may have created them to do things that will never fit with the dreams you've had or the footsteps you've already walked in. I want you to listen here for this next part. All of those things begin to fade into importance. Once you understand that your primary goal here it is, your primary goal is to help your child Know God and be like him. Your primary goal is to help your child know God and be like God. And he said that recalibrates your life, rearranges your schedule and helps you sleep easier at night. Now, now we know what the goal is as Christian parents to help them to know God and be like him. Now, let's talk about some biblical helps to get there. And I want to encourage you today, perhaps you don't normally do this, but jot down some notes, take out the bulletin, uh, jot on the margins, wherever you'd like there and jot some notes. I want to give you some very practical things. And what I want to do today is give you some conversation starters as well. I want moms and dads to take what we talk about here today and talk about it this week. Maybe plan a date and go out together. Maybe get along one night after the kids in bed and begin to discuss these things and see where you are. See where you're going. What changes may need to be made, what you're doing well, what needs a little bit of help, and maybe even put some plans and goals in place. Now, please understand, in my wording today, I'm talking in many ways to couples, moms and dads. And I use the word we instead of you. And I realize in doing that, that I understand that we have single parents among us. And I want to assure you that all these things we're going to talk about today apply to your situation as well, except perhaps the first one. And I want to know, I want all the single parents to know this morning, my heart goes out to you. We love you. I pray God's blessing upon you. I pray God will give you the grace that you need. And I want you to know, single parents and families here today, that we're here for you and we want to bless you and we want to be a help to you. And any way that we as a church family can rally around you, please let us know we're here for you. We want to be a blessing to you, to all of our families, no matter what the situation may be. Now, with that in mind, let's begin talking about some practical steps, some biblical help. And the very first thing I want you to understand today, if you're writing notes, here's what you write down. Couples, we must nurture our marriage. We must nurture our marriage. You're in Genesis chapter two. I want you to notice verse 24. 
Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. We must nurture our marriage. Now, I chose that word nurture very carefully. I thought about saying we must maintain our marriage, but you know what? That ain't quite right. That's not good grammar either, but it's not quite right. Because maintain could be something we're maintaining that's not good. But nurture means this, to encourage somebody or something, to encourage something to grow, to develop, to thrive and be successful. And you know what? Doesn't that sound the kind of marriage you want? One that's growing, one that's developing, one that's thriving, one that's biblically successful. Now, you may think that's a strange way to start a sermon on parenting. We must nurture our marriage. But you probably heard, as one man said, the best thing I can do for my children is to love their mother. There's a lot of truth in that. We're reminded here in Genesis 2.24, there's a leaving and a cleaving in the marriage relationship. We're reminded here of the permanence of marriage. We realize today that we will have our children at home from some say 18 to 20 some years. And that is if they don't come back again. And uh, then they'll launch out on their own. But marriage is what? Until death do you part. And if a couple wraps their whole lives into their kids, when their children are gone, they may look at one another and say, who are you? Because their whole world was tied up in their kids. We want our children to know that mom and dad love each other very much. We want them to know that mom and dad are committed to one another. And that brings a wonderful sense of stability and security to their young hearts to know that. We must nurture our marriage. We must make our marriage a priority and take the time and trouble that it does take to maintain and nurture that marriage in a wonderful way. One of the most practical things I've, I've, I've mentioned and suggested over the years, and thankfully couples, many couples have taken this advice, those who were older, those that were younger, those whose kids were gone, those whose kids were still at home. And that's simply this. A weekly date night is a wonderful way to start. You might say, well, you don't know my schedule. You don't know the things going on. I don't. But you know what? Can you not carve out us a couple of hours a week? And if a weekly day night, date night's too much at the beginning, try twice a month to get started. But just a time for you to separate yourselves from your children. Whether it means them going to grandma and grandpa's or some relatives or trading off other couples or hiring a babysitter or whatever to get alone as man and wife and spend that time. You dated before you got married. You dated all through those times. You would have crossed hell and high water to get to your uh, lovely one back then, but now we say, I just don't have time. I, I'm, I'm busy. I, I got to take a nap. Uh, I need a snack. Uh, you know, next month. Hey, set aside the time, make it a priority. And yet take some time and effort and planning and all those things. But it's well worth it. We must nurture our marriage. Let us move on. Second main thing today, we must view our children biblically. We must view our children biblically. And I want you to go now to Psalm 127. We must view our children. We must look at our children biblically. Psalm 127. The Bible says in Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. 
It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up later, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Listen, verse 3. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. We must view our children biblically. And under that very first thing is this. Our children are a gift from God. Our children are a gift from God. Now, that is probably something at times, depending on the age of your kids, whether they're very young or all the way up in teenagers or wherever, you might want to write that on a card and hang it on the fridge today. Might want to post that on the bathroom mirror. Might want to put that on the car windshield. Our children are a gift from God. And I'll be honest, we are very likely to forget that at times, aren't we? I was reading this preparation for parenthood. You don't have kids. You might want to listen carefully. Those who have kids will relate. It's not just a matter of reading books and decorating the nursery. Here are 12 simple tests for expected parents to take to prepare themselves for the real life experience of being a mother or father. You ready for this? Number one, women to prepare for maternity, put a dressing gown and stick a pillowcase filled with beans down the front. Leave it there for nine months. After nine months, take out 10 percent of the beans. Men, to prepare for paternity, go to the local drugstore, tip the contents of your wallet on the counter, and tell the pharmacist to help himself. Then go to the supermarket, arrange to have your salary paid directly to their head office, go home, pick up the paper, and read it for the last time. That's number one. Number two, before you finally go ahead and have children, find a couple who are already parents and berate them about their methods of discipline. Their lack of patience, appallingly low tolerance levels, and how they have allowed their children to run wild. Suggest ways in which they might improve their child's sleeping habits, toilet training, table manners, and overall behavior. And by the way, enjoy it. It'll be the last time in your life you have all the answers. (laughs) Number three. To discover how the nights will feel. Walk around the living room from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. carrying a wet bag weighing approximately 8 to 12 pounds. Put a radio in the bag tuned to static or some other obnoxious noise playing loudly. At 10 p.m., put the bag down, set the alarm at midnight and go to sleep. Get up at 12 and walk around the living room again with the bag until 1 a.m. Put the alarm on for 3 a.m. As you get back to sleep, get up at 2 a.m. and make a drink. Go to bed at 2.45 a.m. Get up again at 3 a.m. when the alarm goes off. Sing songs in the dark until 4 a.m. Put the alarm on for 5 a.m. Get up, make breakfast, keep this up for five years, and look cheerful. (laughs) Number four. Can you stand the mess children make? To find out, first smear peanut butter onto the sofa and jam onto the curtains. Hide a piece of raw chicken behind the stereo and leave it there all summer. (laughs) Stick your fingers in the flower beds, rub them on the clean walls, cover the stains with crayons. How does that look? (laughs) Number five, dressing small children is not as easy as it seems. First, buy an octopus, buy an octopus and a bag made out of loose mesh. Attempt to put the octopus into the bag so that none of the arms hang out. 
time allowed for this is all morning. Number six. Take an egg carton using a pair of scissors and a pot of paint. Turn it into an alligator. Now take the tube from a roll of toilet paper and using only scotch tape and a piece of foil, turn it into an attractive Christmas candle. <laughs> Last, take a milk carton, a ping pong ball and an empty pocket of cocoa pop, or empty, empty packet of cocoa pops, make an exact replica of the Eiffel Tower. Congratulations, you've just qualified for a place in the playgroup committee. <laughs> Number seven, forget the BMW and buy a minivan. And don't think that you can leave it out in the driveway spotless and shining. Family cars don't look like that. Buy a chocolate ice cream cone and put it in the glove compartment. <laughs> leave it there. Get a dime and stick it in the CD player. Take a family-sized package of chocolate cookies, mash them into the back seats, and run, run a garden rake along both sides of the car. There, perfect. Number eight. You getting discouraged yet? Get ready to go out. Wait outside the bathroom for half an hour. Go out the front door. Come in again. Go out. Come back in. Go out again. Walk down the front path. Walk back up it. Walk down it again. Walk very slowly down the road for five minutes. Listen, stop to inspect minutely every piece of used chewing gum, dirty tissue, and dead insect along the way. Retrace your steps. Scream that you've had as much fun as you can stand until the neighbors come out and stare at you. Give up and go back into the house. You are now just about ready to try taking a small child for a walk. Number nine. Always repeat everything you say at least five times. Always repeat everything you say at least five times. Always repeat everything you say at least... I like this one, number 10. Go to your local supermarket. Take with you the nearest thing you can find to a preschool child. A fully grown goat is excellent. I didn't write this. If you intend to have more than one child, take more than one goat. Buy your week's groceries without letting the goats out of your sight. Pay for everything the goats eat or destroy. And until you can easily accomplish this, don't even contemplate having children. Number 11, hollow out a melon. Make a small hole in the side. Suspend it from the ceiling and swing it from side to side. Now get a bowl of soggy Cheerios and attempt to spoon them into the swaying melon by pretending to be an airplane. Continue until half the Cheerios are gone. Tip the rest into your lap, making sure a lot of it falls to the floor. You're now ready to feed a 12-month-old baby. Finally, number 12, learn the names of every character from Thomas the Train, Dora the Explorer, and the Wiggles. When you find yourself singing, I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the map at work, you finally qualify as a parent. And I say again, beloved, remember this, our children are a gift from the Lord. See why I say to write that down in a highly visible place. And we laugh at that. Why? Because it's so true in so many ways. But listen, let's get serious a moment. Some in our society do not view children in a biblical way. They see children as an inconvenience. They see children as a financial drain. Some see children as nothing more than a piece of tissue that can be ripped from the body of the mother and thrown in a trash can. But I want you to understand something. That thinking does not line up with the word of God. Children are gifts. And as parents, God has given us 
these gifts and the responsibilities that go with them. And it's an awesome privilege. It's an awesome responsibility. And it is tiring and it is stressful and it is uh, hectic at times. But they're children. They're, they're gifts from God. Now, the second thing I want you to see today about viewing our kids biblically is this. Our children need Jesus. Our children need Jesus. The Bible says, for all have sinned, it comes short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 3.23 and 6.23. Our children need Jesus. Harold Saylor wrote, the world's greatest mission field is not the dark continent of Africa, nor is it the highlands of Papua New Guinea or the jungles of Africa, as needy as those places are. Are you ready for this? The greatest mission field today is the hearts of our children. I want you to remember, beloved, they need Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And even if your child is an infant today or a toddler, you should already be praying for them. You should already be praying that the moment they understand that they're a sinner and they need a Savior, that they would trust Jesus Christ. They must trust him for themselves. You can't do it for them. I like to also recommend that parents pray for their children's future spouse. That's an awakening thought, is it, to realize that more than likely... If your child is, is going to get married, more than likely that child is already alive or will be soon. Is already living with their parents or parent and being brought up themselves. We should be praying for their parents and praying for their family. We must nurture our marriage. We must view our children biblically. Finally, this morning, we must train our children. Proverbs 22.6, a familiar verse. Proverbs 22.6, we must train our children Proverbs 22, 6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, it's important. We, we mentioned this in our study of Proverbs on Wednesday nights. It's important to remember what Stephen Alford wrote about this. We must remember that this is a proverb, not a promise. It's a statement of principle, which God has laid down for all par- uh, parents. In other words, this is the normal outcome. That will happen if you train up a child in the way he or she should go. Of course, that child still is a free moral agent and has a free will and may exercise that in the wrong way. But the normal outcome is when you train them properly, they'll go in the way they ought to go. And and under this last point of training our children, I want to give you kind of a grocery list of items. I'm going to mention a lot of things. And these are some talking points as well. And you can flesh them out. Several different areas of training. It includes, first of all, the area of our faith, the area of our faith. Of course, that would include what? Sunday school. I believe every child to be in Sunday school. We have to pray for those who don't get to come to Sunday school. Make sure your child's in Sunday school. It includes church and prayer and Bible reading and Bible study and telling Bible stories to your kids. It includes Christian service and so on and so forth in the area of faith. We said what the primary goal is to help our child to know God and become like him. And that takes work and effort. Another area is the area of future, their future. God has a plan for their lives and we want them to follow his plan. And part of that plan for their lives includes what we're doing now. It includes discipline. It includes rules and schooling and all the other training that we're involved in. Every day we get to do this. (laughs) Every day we get to do this. The area of their future. Third, I thought about the area of failure. That seems kind of odd, doesn't it, preacher? Well, no. James Dobson wrote, our tendency is to grab and hold our children 
and not allow them to make mistakes. Then when they do fail, we jump forward to bail them out and prevent them from learning valuable lessons. And he's so right because why? As parents, we want to protect our kids. We want to make sure they always make the right decision, always go down the right path and always do these things. But if we always bail them out and always redirect them, will they ever learn those valuable lessons from making those mistakes? So sometimes we do just have to back away and let the consequences come and then deal with them concerning the consequences. Faith, future failure. I think fourth, this is a big one. The area of finances. It's our responsibility to teach our children the value of hard work, honesty, thrift, savings, tithing, giving, the dangers of debt. We should be the one teaching that to them. Maybe you say, well, I've got some problems myself. Well, get those things right. Go to the Lord and learn from his word what the God says about these things. And begin modeling those things and help them understand that God has created us to work and to labor. And life is not about, and I know in our world today there is this thought among many, but life is not about everybody giving, giving, giving to you. Life is about you laboring and providing for your family and yourself and for others and being a blessing. I think, fifthly, the area of fitness. When I say fitness, you automatically think of diet and exercise, and yes, that's included. We think of hygiene, and boy, we know that's included, but also spiritually. I think one of the greatest things in our world is what? When it comes to our kids, it's the area of purity. The area of purity. They're inundated, as all of us are, constantly with these messages that go contrary to God's word. We need to talk to them about purity. And then sixth, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I think six is this fun, fun. What do you mean? Playing together, laughing together as a family, enjoying one of the making memories together. Such an important part. Faith, future, failure, finances, fitness, fun, all those things. Now, let's be honest for a moment, beloved. This is going to take a lot of time. In fact, it's going to take years. It's going to take a lot of patience and love and sweat and tears and prayer and agony and frustration and stress and long nights. And ultimately, it's going to take God's enablement, God's help. But I want you to realize something today. What a joy it is. To work with the Lord. To see our kids come to know Jesus as their own Lord and Savior. And then to continually become more like him. The target is clear. The bullseye is there. Will you aim for it? Will you set out to make sure that your kids know God and become like him? It's not enough. Listen, it's not enough for them just to be moral. It's not enough just for them to be decent or successful or even religious. That's not enough. That's not the goal. Of course, we want them moral, but that all come if they know Jesus and become more like him. That's the goal. To do these things, we must nurture our marriages. Those of us who are still married. 
view our children biblically, train them in all sorts of ways. And let me throw this in in closing. This is an important one. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. They're only young ones. Today they're a toddler. Tomorrow they're gone. Enjoy the journey. I may never be as clever as the neighbor down the street. I may never be as wealthy as other men I meet. I may never have the glory that some other men have had, but I've got to be successful as a little fellow's dad. There are certain dreams I cherish that I'd like to see come true. There are things I would accomplish here my working time is through. But the task my heart is set on is to guide a little lad and to make myself successful as a little fellow's dad. It's the one job that I dream of. It's the task I think of most. If I fail that growing youngster, I have nothing else to boast for the wealth and fame I gather. All my future would be sad if I failed to be successful as that little fellow's dad. I may never have earth's glory. I may never gather gold. Men may count me as a failure when my business life is told. But if he gives his life to Jesus, then I'll be glad. For I know that I've been successful as that little fellow's dad. Would you bow your heads in prayer this morning? I want to thank you for your attention and your time today. And I've tried to be an encouragement and a help to all of us. You know, first of all, for you to truly be the parent or the person that God wants you to be, you need to know Jesus as your own Lord and Savior. And I wonder today, as I look out upon this crowd, is there one or two or maybe many who have never trusted Christ as Savior? Today, friends, the day to come. Repenting of your sin and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Today we had families come and dedicate themselves to bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Perhaps you sat there today and you had stood at the front of maybe this same church or another place. And you'd done the very same thing. You dedicated your child or children. You're honest today and you look at your life, what you're doing right now, you'd have to say, you know what? I've not exactly been focusing on that priority like I should have. Life has become hectic and busy and I've kind of been maybe even misdirected in some areas. Perhaps today a rededication is needed. Maybe you need to come and bow at an altar and say, Lord, I give myself again to raise my son, my daughters, my children to know you and to become more like you. And that's my goal. And Lord, whatever that means, a rearrangement of my schedule and my priorities and the things that I'm doing, I want to give myself. And so as we close in prayer today, we're going to sing in just a moment. The altar is open. If you need to come and trust Christ today, we want you to come. Perhaps you just want to come and pray and once again, rededicate yourself and say, yes, yes, yes. I want my children to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Be reminded, friend, our children are a gift from the Lord. They need Jesus. We are to train them to be like him, to know him and to be more and more like him every day. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our kids. We thank you that we can be your children to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. I pray for anyone today who does not know you as Lord and Savior. That they would come today. I pray for parents. Lord, if you work on their hearts, I pray that you'd help us all to be submissive during this invitation time. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.